Hey, yesterday was amazing. Uh, thank you to all who, who served at the pop-up shop, helped organize it, have given generously so that we could uh, make it happen. It was a really uh, just an incredible day, and it's the reason why we came here to be a real light in the community, to be a community-centered church, uh, to be a blessing both in word and in deed. Uh, and so my heart was just so encouraged. Uh, people would basically line up. They would come in here. Me and Luis would partner together to share the gospel in English and in Spanish. Uh, and then they would go get the food and clothes uh, and other items that they need. And then some of us would deliver it in our trucks to their homes. Uh, and it was just a very well-rounded, wonderful time together to bless our community, to partner with them and the things they may need for their families and to really serve together. Uh, and so just want to encourage you, uh, your faithfulness, your generosity, uh, your involvement here is building something that's able to do that kind of work in our community. Uh, and so thanks to all of you, especially who helped organize all those donations. We were not ready for the amount of things that we got. Uh, we had hundreds of people come through, and that fellowship hall is still full. So uh, it's a good problem to have. Uh, we got to figure out what to do with all that this week. It's going to be great. We're going to find a way to, to serve more people with it. But thank you for your generosity and for your donations. It really blessed uh, our community. Um, yesterday, I had a, uh, we were, when we were preaching the gospel, and we, me and Luis would be here, there'd be 15 people in the room every time, and so we would share the gospel and, and do it in Spanish and in English. And at one point, this was like maybe the fourth or fifth group in. I mean, I'm talking like, we, we had like 20 groups. At one point, there was this, this girl sitting there, uh, and uh, she looked like she might be 20 or something. And at first, because I had started doing everything in Spanish with a little bit of Spanish I know, she asked me if I was Hispanic, which I took as a compliment, and my Spanish must have been so good uh, that she thought I might be from a Spanish country. I said, no, uh, I'm from Alabama. So uh, that's not, not, that's not. Um, uh, but to any of my Dominican friends, uh, when I lived in the Dominican, they would say a platanado, which basically means to become Dominican. So uh, that's the way that I see it. That's how, that's how I'm known. But anyway, she asked me if I was Hispanic. Then the next question she asked me when I said no uh, was, are you single? Are you single? <laughs> And, hey, I still got it, you know, just like, hey, I, I made sure to let my wife know, to let her know that, that I still got it, all right? But the funny part was after she asked that question, my wife, it was like the Lord's timing, you know, my wife comes walking in from the, from the back. I'm like, I'm very much not single, that's her right there. She had all of my kids, I got four kids, I'm, I'm the opposite of single, I'm the most opposite of single you could imagine. Uh, and so, just to let y'all all know, you pastors still got it, all right, I hope you're encouraged. I hope you're encouraged by that. It was really uh, a really great time. Also, another funny thing that happened yesterday was uh, my, my oldest kid, Jalen, uh, saw some roller skates, and he wanted to try them out for a little bit. So he took off his shoes, which were brand new. We just got them for him two days ago. He took off his shoes, didn't think too much about it, and had left it in the room where the donations were. You already see where this is going, yeah. <laughs> He goes back to get his shoes, and they are gone. Uh, somebody, uh, and not their fault, mistook them for donations, and they were new shoes, um, and they were gone. And so uh, we had a great learning experience with him and talking about how the Lord must have intended, God is sovereign, my son, and he must have intended to use those shoes to bless another kid uh, in our community. So take joy in all your tribulations and trials. The Lord is using it for good. Uh, and so it was an interesting day in the crew household. 
a great day here. Uh, so thank you once again for serving our community and be a blessing to them. Uh, this whole couple weeks continues to be very active, and so Easter's coming up, as you know. Uh, today is Palm Sunday. So this Friday, we're having a Good Friday service at 6. Please come, bring your friends, bring your family. It will be relatively short, uh, so you can come bring your kids. I promise you can get them back to bed in time. Uh, it's going to be a family-friendly 6 o'clock Good Friday service. And then on Saturday, we're having our Easter egg hunt for the community at 3.30, uh, and so not only have we been inviting people, but everybody that came through yesterday got an invitation. Uh, so I expect it to be an awesome time uh, for our City Life family and for our family here in the community. So get here, 3.30. We're going to hunt for Easter eggs. We're going to eat some pupusas together. Uh, the snow cones are back. Yeah, okay. I don't know who was here last summer. We were, we were the, the, the best thing in the pandemic was we would go outside to eat snow cones, okay? You couldn't do anything inside, so we eat snow cones outside. Uh, and so the snow cones are back. And most importantly, obviously, we're going to present the gospel and uh, hopefully change people's lives. And so come join us on a Saturday. And then Easter is this Sunday. And so we really want you to take one of those yellow cards. As a matter of fact, take 10 of them. We ordered a lot, okay? I ordered a lot in faith that you got lots of friends and family members you're going to at least invite. I'm not saying they're going to come. I'm just saying you're going to invite them, all right? So uh, take, the, take a stab at it in faith. If you're ever going to invite someone to church, this is your best, best opportunity to do that. We will preach the gospel as clearly as possible, and we're praying the Lord does an awful lot. And so take that yellow invite card, uh, send it, take a picture of it, text it to your friends and family. Uh, let's be super proactive, as we always would like to be, but especially considering Easter, to invite our friends and our family and those that are far from Jesus so they can come hear the gospel. If you're here today and you are far from Jesus, I'm so excited. Maybe a friend already brought you here. Maybe a family member has already invited you and you came today to find what this is all about. And I have some really good news for you today. So I hope your ears are perked up and ready because God has brought you here to tell you about himself. And so we're gonna be talking from John 12 today. If you wanna go ahead and open your Bible. This is called Palm Sunday, which represents in the Bible the time when Jesus entered into Jerusalem uh, the subtitle in most of your Bible Bibles is going to be something like the triumphal entry. It's when Jesus comes in, he enters into Jerusalem with the very purpose of going to the cross. This takes place less than a week before he actually goes to the cross and about a week before he raises from the dead. Uh, and so now as we celebrate Palm Sunday, really what we're talking about and thinking through when we look at the text is what is Jesus doing and why did Jesus come? The simplest question, but the most profound. Why did Jesus come? Why is there a story about Jesus? Like, what is this all about? What were his intentions? Why did he come? Why should I trust and believe in him now? What can I expect if I'm following Jesus? And for many of you, I hope to clarify, you might be misunderstanding what life should be like when you follow Jesus. And that misunderstanding is causing problems. And some of you have missed it all together and you have no idea why Jesus actually came. You think learning about it from some news source is really gonna tell you what happened. No, 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 I wanna clarify for you what Jesus is all about. What did he come to do? Why did he come to this earth? What did he come to accomplish? And so today that's our talk, that's what we're talking about. So John 12, look in verse 12 with me <clears throat> through uh, 19. It says, the next day the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem so they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and he sat on it just, as it, just as it is written, fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. 
His disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they had heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees looked at one another. They said to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the whole world has gone after him. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we honor you. Just ask, Lord, that you would reveal Jesus Christ this morning. That you would clarify for all of us, why did you come? What can we expect? What does it mean to know and follow Jesus? I pray, Lord, that you would reveal yourself, that you would bring encouragement and conviction where needed. Christ, I pray. And so we're going to be talking uh, about this passage this morning. There's several significant things for us to go through. The first thing I want you to see is just the context of what's happening. So in Jerusalem, this is the time of the Passover, and they would be having a Passover feast, which is when they celebrate the, the exodus from Egypt way back in the Old Testament. And the Jewish people would travel from all over where they were to come to Jerusalem to celebrate. And so the estimate is at least several hundred thousand people have traveled into this city to celebrate. And so it's a pretty crowded and chaotic time in Jerusalem. And Jesus enters into the city at this very moment when everybody's coming to celebrate the Passover, which is when God passed over the sins of Israel by the blood of the lamb. Very significant. And we see, and what we're going to see, is that this new lamb is going to come in and shed his blood so that God can pass over our sins as well. So Jesus enters in at the very moment in which he's going to bring about a new way to relate to God. And he's going to bring about the way and the payment for sins. And he's going to shed his own blood. And as he enters in, there's chaos, there's celebration. It's a crowded city. And all these people hear Jesus is coming. And what they know about Jesus is probably many things, but the text specifies that many of them had heard that he raised Lazarus from the dead. There were so many witnesses to this event. So the word is spreading so fast that a man that had been dead four days was in the tomb, gone, no doubt about it. Jesus comes back and he says, hey, come on out. And the guy comes out of the tomb alive. And this is just throwing everybody off. They can't believe what's happening. So word is spreading. And so now Jesus is coming and everybody and all the chaos and all the crowds are saying, Jesus is coming. And so now that they know Jesus is coming, they're all starting to get ready. You know, it's like when a new bakery opens up in Georgetown and everybody stands in line forever. They know it's coming. This place is crowded, but we're all focused on this one thing. Nobody knows if it's good or not. Nobody cares. It's just that it's new. And so it's going to be awesome. And so we see that. You feel the same feeling. It's crowded everywhere, but there's focus. Crowds, but focus to say Jesus is coming. And what I want us to see from the very beginning, look, it says, The next day the crowd found out he was coming, so they took branches and they went out to meet him. What we need to learn first and foremost is the proper response to Jesus is praise. That is the main way you ought to relate to Jesus is praise. This is the most proper and fitting response to find out Jesus is coming is to call forth praise. 
And for me to engage with Jesus, the primary way we ought to do that is praise. We come into his presence with thanksgiving and praise. We read the Bible with a spirit of praise. We go after Jesus and encounter Jesus as a person who wants to praise. And any relationship to Jesus must have praise at its very focus. This is the proper response to Jesus, is praise. Now, the main word of their praise is Hosanna, and this is what we're going to look at for a while. Hosanna. What are they talking about? They're trying to praise Jesus, and they say, Hosanna. What does that mean? Well, the simple understanding of Hosanna is salvation is here, or better said, salvation now, exclamation point. Salvation is here, or salvation now. So what are they saying when Jesus comes in? Salvation is here. Salvation is right now. He's here, and he represents salvation right now. And that is the element of their praise. Now, what's going to happen, and this is what we're going to focus on a lot this morning, is they were very excited, but for the wrong reason. They were super excited, but for the wrong reason. They praised the right person, but they praised him for the wrong reason. They misunderstood what Jesus came to do. And listen to me, because they misunderstood it, many of them missed it altogether. They thought when Jesus came in that he was going to take over Rome. They thought that when salvation came to the Jews, there would be political deliverance. They thought the Messiah would come sit on an earthly throne right now and take care of my present problems right now. They thought when Jesus came, he was going to do a political revolution, but he actually came for something much bigger than that. But because they misunderstood it, many of them missed it. And I fear that might be the case for many of you in the room today, that you have misunderstood what Jesus intended to accomplish in your life. You have misunderstood the purpose of Jesus coming at all, and some of you might have missed it all together. This is like, I don't know how many of you somewhat know another language, okay? So that's my Spanish. It's like, okay, but not perfect. Somewhat. I know somewhat. And so when you're talking in another language, one of the things you miss a lot is jokes. And you'll be hearing and you'll be listening and you're piecing words together, but because you can't keep up fast enough, they say a joke, but it doesn't land because you didn't catch it. And the way you know they said a joke is all the other people that speak Spanish are laughing. So you're in a room and you're like, you're speaking with four people that are fluent and here's this guy in the middle who's like sort of, I can talk, but not that great. And so now I'm I'm there and they're talking and I'm trying to follow what's going on. You're talking so fast and I'm trying to keep up. And then all of a sudden everybody starts laughing and uh, I didn't catch it. I missed it. And why did I miss it? Because I misunderstood. I misunderstood what they were saying. And because I misunderstood what they were saying, I missed the point altogether. I missed the joke. I missed what was actually happening in that moment. And some of you, because you misunderstand what Jesus is about, because you misunderstand what following him means, you have missed altogether his purpose for your life. You have missed altogether what he has said. Missed it. For many of you, my prayer this morning is that God would give all of us clarity as to what Jesus came to do. What does that mean for my life? And what can I expect as I follow him? So that's what we're going to address this morning. So two ways we miss it. Two ways we miss it. There's two ways. Very simple. One way is we get the right person with the wrong reason. Just like they did here. The right person, Jesus is the right person. You should say Hosanna to Jesus. The the energy is directed in the right direction, uh, but it's for the wrong reason. The other way is to flip it, and it's the right reason. I want salvation, but it's the wrong person. I go somewhere else to get it other than Jesus. 
And those are the two ways that we tend to miss the reason why Jesus came. So let's do the first one, right person, wrong reason. Many of you misunderstand why Jesus came or what he promised to do. The question that you need clarity on is what does salvation now, what does Hosanna, salvation is here, what does that mean for my life right now? What can I expect from him? Let me clarify a few things from the scriptures. The first thing you can expect is salvation. It is real deliverance. It's a real change of life and hope and joy that comes only from him. John 10, 10, Jesus says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And he meant it. And he meant it right now, and he meant it forever. John 15, 11, Jesus said, I have spoken these things to you. Why? So that my joy might be in you and that your joy might be full. Man, what does salvation here now mean? It means that you experience the full joy of Jesus, that you experience life abundantly in his name. Luke 19, 10, the son of man came. Why did you come, Jesus, to seek and to save the lost? He came to seek you out, to save you, to deliver you, to help you, to change you, to bring you life abundantly, and to bring you joy, and do it in his name. This is what Jesus came to accomplish. And some of you may already understand that, but you've missed the other side of it, where Jesus also said, Mark 8, 34, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. If anyone would save his life, he must lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. Doesn't sound like the experience of abundant life to us, at least. John 15, 18 through 19, Jesus said, if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you are not of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. John 16, Jesus said, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And we could keep doing this all day. These things go hand in hand, where Jesus says, I have come to save you now. And that salvation now includes my joy and an abundant life, and that you would no longer be lost, but that you would be found. Also, the salvation now includes taking up your cross and following me. It includes being hated by the world, and it includes still suffering and having tribulation in this life. Some of you have misunderstood why Jesus came and you're missing it all together because you maybe understood the first part, but you missed the second. Your view of Jesus is naive. Your view of what a good life is right now is naive. Your view of what salvation is here now means is too limited and it's not doing you justice because now you're frustrated and upset with him because you've missed his purposes. It isn't his fault. You have misunderstood why he came. And I want to help you get clarity. Some of you have misunderstood why Jesus came at all. Been looking at the right person, but for the wrong reason. And they did the same thing. They misunderstood the experience. What does it mean to be saved by God? It did not provide immediate relief from the Roman government. It included actually more hardship. In real talk, in one sense, it made things worse for them. Now, in the most important sense, it made things better. Your eternal life, yes and amen. But in the present, for many that decided to follow Jesus, their life could have been much easier. It made things worse, not better, for the moment. Maybe this is true for you. You thought following Jesus would look different. 
As a matter of fact, ever since you began following Jesus, your life has gotten worse, not better. And you're discouraged and frustrated, and you thought that he would do more for you than he's currently doing. You thought there would be a temporary, circumstantial change in your situation. Never promised that. I want you to understand what Jesus came to do. Jesus did not come to be a moral teacher. Jesus did not come to be a helpful person. Jesus did not come to give you good advice or good principles on life. Jesus did not come to inspire a political revolution. Jesus did not come to take away all of your present problems and pain. Why? What did he come to do then? He came to seek and to save that is lost. He came to conquer sin and death. He came to destroy the work of the devil. He came to die in your place. He came to take care of your biggest problem, your sin. He came to restore a relationship with you that has been broken because of your sin. He came to forgive you, to cleanse you, and to give you a new heart. He came to give you his presence. He came to secure a place for you in heaven. He came to guarantee an eternity of happiness with him. He came to give you eternal life. He came so that you would believe and trust in him. That's why Jesus came. And as we understand that, we begin to grow and understand that nothing we give up in following him will compare to what we're going to get in return. Yes, in this world we will have trouble, but he has promised to be with you, to use it for your good and his glory. Here's a simple sentence to help you understand this big picture, joy and suffering. Jesus did not come to give you an easier life now, but a perfect one forever. Don't misunderstand. Jesus did not come to give you an easier life now. Jesus did not come to take away all of your current problems and pain. Jesus did not come to make things feel better right now. Jesus came not to give you an easier life now, but to give you a perfect one forever. And though your little problems may remain, your biggest problem has been taken away. Don't misunderstand and miss out as to what Jesus came to do. He came to seek and save you. Give you a perfect life forever. So are you looking at the right person but for the wrong reason? What have you been expecting to receive from him? What did you think following Jesus would look like? I hope now you get some more clarity on what does it mean to follow, to trust, to believe in Jesus. What did he come to do? Now some of you are on the other side. You're looking for the right reason, but at the wrong person. You got the right reason, you want salvation. You want hope, you want deliverance, you need help. You recognize that your life is a mess and something needs to get right. You recognize that you are unsatisfied and something needs to change. You recognize that you are made for something else and it is not in the things that you are currently experiencing. You are looking for salvation here and now, but you are looking at the wrong person. 
And y'all know this in dating. Some of y'all look at your friend who's dating somebody for the right reason, but it's the wrong person, right? And you said, no, 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 no. You got the right heart. I know you want to get married. That's the wrong person. You don't need to be doing that with them, all right? Just, you know, shoot that person a text. Say, I know, right reason, wrong person, okay? This is the wrong person. You don't need to be doing that with him. And some of us are doing that in our spiritual walk. We have the right reasons. We want the right things. I want salvation, deliverance, hope, and a future. I need help. I am messed up. And we are looking in the wrong places. Some of you are looking at a job and you're saying, salvation now. Salvation is here. Some of you are looking at a new opportunity and saying, salvation now, it's coming. Some of you are looking even at a spouse or a girlfriend or a boyfriend or a romantic relationship. You're saying, salvation now, satisfy me. You're looking to all the things in the world, your health, your body to get better. You're saying salvation now. You're looking to a boss and saying salvation now. You're looking to a material possession. Anything you can imagine, you're saying salvation now. And it's just not coming through. The simple reason is because none of those things can do that for you. You got the right reasons. You're looking in all the wrong places. And I'm so glad you came here today so that you could stop your searching that you could find what you have been looking for. The thing you have been looking for to save you. The thing you have been looking for to give you purpose and identity. The thing you have been looking for to give you value and worth, to make you feel like you matter. The thing you have been looking for to satisfy you at the deepest level. The thing you have been looking for to give you hope and security and affirmation. The thing you have been looking for to give you purpose on this earth. The thing you have been looking for to make sense of everything as to why you're here. That thing has a name, it's a person, it's Jesus. And you keep looking so many other places, but you're not looking in the right place. And I'm glad you came here today because God wants to reveal himself to you. And some of you who know Jesus are continuing to make this mistake. You got the right reasons. You're looking for something different, for hope and salvation. But even though you know him and come to church, you don't ask him for those things. You're looking at your spouse, your job, your situation, your circumstances, a new opportunity, a new life. Give that to you. What is it that you are looking for? Think about it. What's your salvation now? Who are you asking to bless you? Who are you asking to satisfy you? What are you looking for to make you feel better about yourself? What do you do when you feel down and out? Where do you go when you need help and counsel and you're confused? Who is your hope, your solution, your salvation? That's gonna tell you the answer. You may be having the right reasons, but you're going to the wrong person. As I was thinking about this the other day, talking to a friend, he's a structural engineer. He has a, a book that looks like a Bible, okay? I was looking at it like, this looks like a Bible, but it's a structural engineer book. And instead of Bible verses, it has math equations and things I don't understand, you know? Uh, how much weight can bear up on something? You know, how does this all work? But it looks just like a Bible. It even has tabs for things, like you would have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's nice leather, it has the, page, the thin pages, everything about it looks like a Bible, but it's not a Bible. And there's nothing in it that can help you with your soul, but it can help you build a building. And as I was looking at that and thinking about this sermon, I thought, wow, we do that all the time. When I look at something, and from the beginning, it looks like it's going to help me. It looks like it'll satisfy. It looks like it'll do what I'm asking it to do. It looks like it'll teach me the way of life. It looks like it's going to provide hope, security, satisfaction, salvation. But then when I begin to open it up, it doesn't do it for me. It looked like it from the beginning, but it didn't deliver on what I 
Just like if you traded this out for a book on structural engineering, you would have no idea on how to live your life. So it is when you trade out Jesus for anything else. You're gonna open it up and find it empty. It's not gonna help you, satisfy you, or deliver you. The right reason, but you're looking at the wrong person. Listen to me. Jesus came. Why did Jesus come? He came to die so that you can have life. He came to you so that you can come to him. He came to die so that you can have life. The only way you find life is in him. And so this is what Jesus came here for. This is what he brought you here for this morning, to hear and to know. So stop saying salvation now to anything else and start looking to Jesus. He is the only one that will come through when you ask for that. And maybe that's the decision you may need to make today, to repent from your sins, to stop saying salvation now. Salvation is here to anything else. Start looking to Jesus for that. Maybe for some of you, it's the very first time. As we close, I want you to look at this prophecy here in the middle. Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Fear not, your king is coming. Fear not, your king is coming. Fear not, your king is coming. As I was considering this passage and what it means and what the Lord is seeking to say through us, I kept thinking about how not only has Jesus come, but how he is coming again. Fear not, your king is coming was not just for them. That's what he tells us as well. Fear not, your king is coming. Fear not, he is coming again to make all things right. Fear not, he is coming again to make all things right. Fear not, he is coming again to take away your current problems and pain. Fear not, he is coming again to make a perfect place that you experience true perfect happiness forever. Fear not, he is coming again so that you can see him face to face. Just hold on a little while, he's coming. Fear not. And something you should understand about Jesus coming again is this. You see here, he comes riding on a donkey. That's because the first time Jesus came, he came in meekness and humility. But the second time Jesus comes, it will be in power and authority. So don't misunderstand, don't misunderstand, don't misunderstand. Jesus here, riding on a donkey, he goes to a cross and gets crucified. He comes in meekness and humility. But don't misunderstand that for being weak. He may have come in meekness and humility the first time. But when he comes the second time, the Bible teaches us he's coming in power and authority. I've been teaching my kids about the return of Jesus. Really funny to talk about these things with children. Uh, Revelations 19 describes for us that when Jesus comes back, he will come out of the clouds riding on a white horse. Don't think that's a metaphor. I think this is really going to happen. Out of the clouds, on a white horse. He's going to have a sword in his mouth, fire in his eyes, and his robe will be dipped in blood. And it says he will be called faithful and true. What does that mean? That means when he comes back, he's going to make good on all the promises he's ever made, finally and forever. That moment he comes riding in the sky is the ultimate moment of God being faithful and true. And some of you are dealing with Jesus true tritely. Some of you are messing around with Jesus as if he was a friend. Some of you are not listening to him as if you had an option. But remember, the first time he came in meekness and humility, but the second time he comes in power and authority. So are you ready for that? 
Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Or are you dealing with Jesus as if he's so small? Dealing with him as if his advice is unimportant? Dealing with him as if he wasn't the Lord of the universe? Dealing with him as if you won't see him coming on a white horse, sword in his mouth, fire in his eyes, a robe dipped in blood? The first time he comes in meekness and humility, but the second time he comes in power and authority. The question for every human being on earth is, are you ready? Are you ready to meet the living God who comes in power and authority? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? The scripture here says, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And what I want to say today is blessed is he who believes in the name of the Lord. Do you believe? Have you trusted in Jesus? Are you ready for him to return and call you? Are you looking to something else and saying salvation now? Have you misunderstood the reason why Jesus came altogether? Are you missing it? First time he comes in meekness and humility, the second time he comes in power and authority. I'll be ready. Pray for us. Heavenly Father, we honor you. Lord, I just pray, I pray for a real sense of who you are and what you came to do, God. I pray for great joy in our hearts that you did come to seek and to save, that you did come to give life and abundantly. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to celebrate and sense that. I pray, Lord, that we would also catch the gravity of what does it mean to follow Jesus. That nobody in this room, God, that nobody in this room would misunderstand. That nobody in this room would miss it. That we would all have clarity. Why did you come? What did you come to do? What can I expect, Lord? So work in our hearts. Reveal Jesus to us so that we can live a life following him truly. And I pray, Lord, for anybody in this room that is far from you, that you would work in their heart to receive the gospel and the salvation that you offer in Jesus' name now. Thank you for your death. Thank you for your resurrection. Thank you for the life we have in your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Why don't you stand and let's uh, celebrate the Lord who is coming again.